Jeff Burnham. And we are coming to you from the Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. And today we are doing Cloverfield, the first one. <laughs> yep, Cloverfield from what year? I'm messing with you. You don't know this. It's from 2008. So why Cloverfield? Why are we tackling this? Well, because... We haven't done aliens in a long time, and technically this is a giant alien, and also it's just Maybe. a really, really good movie. Well, we got talking more specifically about kaiju. You wanted yeah. to do a kaiju movie, and I don't know, I wasn't quite feeling it, you know, like just a random Godzilla or Gamera sequel or something like that. I don't know, man, I just wasn't feeling it. And then you pitched Cloverfield because of the potential for it being an alien. Yep. There, there, there uh, I don't know, man. That's complicated. Cloverfield gets way complicated later on. So let's not even worry about this element of it. Nope. Suffice it to say, big monster. Kaiju. Kaiju. Mm-hmm. It's also technically a kaiju, too. Mm-hmm. Gigantic monster. Yeah, it is. It yeah. reminds me, I don't know if you thought of this, but the monsters in the 2014 Godzilla... You remember the ones they have like just the arms and the tails and Godzilla takes one of their mouths and opens it up and like blasts its beam like into the mouth of the monster. Oh, you remember I what remember I'm that about? one, but I don't really remember the monster, but I remember that scene. Okay. It re- well, it reminded me of those anyway. So I was I was thinking of that while watching it this time around. But before we go into the movie anymore... I think we should probably do a little bit of parental guidance Actually, here. Actually, a lot. <laughs> Fair. Because this movie is rated PG-13. For a good reason. For a good reason. I would say almost an R. Like, I mean, they're close. You know, if yeah. they showed... There's a scene where somebody has a, a piece of uh, rebar that... that um, that like metal bar that was through the woman's shoulder. Yeah. If they showed her getting like pulled off of that, things like that, you know, I think we probably would have had an R. <laughs> There's another character who dies horribly. If that happened, we'd have had an R. A couple more swear words, we'd have had an R. So it's a pretty strong modern PG-13. Yeah, 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 it is. Alistair, in terms of your thoughts on parental guidance, what would you warn parents about with this movie before they even show it to their kids? Most of it is not really, like, the blood. I think the biggest part about this is the words. There's a lot of swear words and stuff Mm -hmm. like that in it. It's also, like, a really, really good suspense movie, too, so it might scare your kids, though. Really spooky movie, right? Yeah. You were pretty spooked at parts of this. Yeah. Like in a way that I haven't seen you spooked by a movie in quite a while, even though you've seen this before. So that's funny. Yeah. It's because I I was, that was a long time ago. Yeah. It was a couple years back, I I guess. 
I also remember that I kept leaving when the monster appeared. Yeah, it was more like your mom and I were watching it and you were wandering in and out because you were getting bored because you didn't see the monster. Because <laughs> so, I kept leaving when the monster came. And also the movie opens without a monster and you go quite a while without a monster, you know? Yeah. And during that part of the movie, I would add to our parental guidance that there is some repeated but non-graphic discussion of activities of an adult nature. How do you like that for a euphemism? I don't know if you caught it, Al, but it was all during the party scenes and stuff. Yeah, which we're not going to talk about. We're not going to talk about the party scenes? Well, kind of. I I think it's important. Maybe we'll come back to it. Um, Let's talk about the horror stuff and the monster stuff. And then we'll come back to the party stuff, because I would actually like to talk to you about why I value the party material and what I think it does for the movie as a screenwriting instructor and a screenwriter Mm -hmm. myself. We do kind of need to talk about it because we need to talk about the characters. Yeah, Beth. Yeah, Beth. There's a couple other characters we kind of need to go over. Yeah, it's how we meet everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll start off with it, I guess, in passing. Um, but maybe, maybe I'll, maybe we'll get deep into it here. I don't know. Let's, let's just dive in. Did we have any more parental guidance before we dive in? <gasps> Spookiness, no. scares, swear words, adult conversations. Um, hmm. Suspense. Hard, like, <laughs> suspense. hard suspense. Hard suspense. Uh, the movie also is kind of drawing on, at least imagery-wise, and the fact that it's in New York City and some of the buildings falling and stuff like that, definitely, in terms of trigger warnings, I guess, not even, you know, parental guidance, because this is more for adults, um, the movie has this imagery sort of borrowed from 9-11, the 9-11 attacks. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking? You know what I'm yeah, talking yeah, about, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I want to make sure you're not just like blindly agreeing with me. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know about it. Yeah. So it really it, does. It really yeah, does. Yeah. It evokes that, you know, and it was, what, seven years after that happened. So it's got some of that. And I know that obviously a lot of people were affected by that. And if that's a problem with you, if you haven't seen the movie, don't watch it. Because, I mean, it's set in New York. It's really clearly evoking what we saw on the news, those of us who weren't there. And, uh, yeah. So that's my last bit of parental guidance. Alistair, where do you want us to start, my man? What do you want to talk about? And we don't have to go in order. We don't have to talk about the movie beginning to end. But, like, what do you want to talk about? So, like, of course, we don't, like, have... I don't think we have, like, a main character. It's one of those movies with, like, the multiple main characters, I guess. Yeah, it's got what you'd call an ensemble cast. What's that? An ensemble cast is an alternative structure of film where it's not guided by a singular protagonist, but instead the decisions of a group where any character could become the central focus for a little while. That said... I would go so far as to say it kind of does have a protagonist, um, but it's complicated because the character of Robert would be our protagonist more so than anybody else. But we actually spend more time with HUD. Yeah. Because he's the one with the camera. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it's called in the movie when you're watching the entire movie through other people's cameras? No. It's called found footage. 
It's a found footage film made to look as though it is from somebody's real camcorder. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I would say it's probably Robert more so than anybody else, but it definitely has an ensemble feel to it. Yeah. That's actually something that I really like in horror movies, something that I actually lecture about. I'll actually be talking about it at a library in the suburbs sometime in October. I guess I should promote that sometime on the show, huh? Or at least on our social media. I'll be doing a like presentation at a suburban library about horror narratives from a screenwriting perspective. And in terms of this, what I like about the ensemble feel is you kind of never know who's going to die. No, you don't. And that's scary. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, ensemble film, where do you want to go from there? So, like, I really like where this movie starts off when they're talking to, like, Robert, and then lights go out. No lights. Absolute darkness. Come on. And then... <laughs> Come like, on, indeed. Yeah. And then... The whole, yeah. All of New York, the the power goes out. Yeah. And then it comes back on. And then everyone in the party goes to see what's happening. And like, and then giant explosion. Yeah, like a whole building explodes. Yeah, and then they go out to see it. And like, and then these giant, the giant chunks of the building start flying everywhere at them. Yeah. So then they like all get out. And then the Statue of Liberty's head rolls down the street yeah and it's all beat up yeah like scratched up everywhere yeah not just from like being you know like rolling down the street or whatever it looks like a gigantic monster put its claws into the head of the statue of liberty and threw it you know because when you look at the cover for the movie here we have it on blu-ray here the head is missing like it was ripped right off the top of it Basically, it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they took pictures, and then a building collapses, like with dust going everywhere. Yeah, that's where it comes into the 9-11 imagery really yeah. strong. Really, really strong there. So what you've talked about a lot here, and where the movie goes as well, is a lot of destruction, a lot of things seen from a distance, dust, debris, screaming, chaos. There's one major thing, though, that we don't get a ton of. The monster. Yeah. Yeah. Though, right before the building collapses, we see a small glimpse of it. Not much. Yeah. Like a small bit of it. And then, like, debris everywhere. They go into a store. They come out and then... Oh, what's her name? Marlena. Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she says something that's really freaky yeah like one of the like i think the scariest line of this movie it was eating people it was eating everything yeah so the monster was eating people that doesn't hold up later on i mean the monster picks up somebody and then like just drops them so i don't know maybe the monster was full who am i to say you know what i mean but that is really scary so if we're not seeing the monster and it's great too because like when we do catch glimpses of the monster it's like what is that right like that's yeah, part of the, the horror monster is like epic looking though yeah and, and it's like slow reveal you know build up over time a little bit here a little bit there we see it from a distance we see it on a tv right but we don't get a ton of that and why do you think that is and do you think that works and how do you think it works um i think it's because this like this monster is like well 
And I'm talking more from like a narrative perspective than like a logic of the world of the movie perspective. Like storytelling. And I, let me rephrase it. Okay. Storytelling wise. Why would you not show the monster a lot and instead tell the story the way that it's told with people, you know, on the street, screaming, confused, dust, debris? Why would you tell the story that way instead of just going full monster right from the start? Because I think because this is a suspense movie. Okay. So like genre wise, you're saying it's more about suspense than it is horror. Yeah. We're like... When are the monsters going to come in? And then, like, we're really freaked out when they do come in. Sure. And Like, like the characters, right? Yeah. Because I think that's why it's done, is we are allowed to experience these events as a human being at the ground level of a kaiju attack would. Right? Which, the kaiju is way stronger yeah. than most kaijus. Like... The military does not know how to deal with it. <laughs> Dude, the military shoots so many rockets at it. I mean, it, well, it's kind of like a Godzilla, though, right? Yeah. The only difference is the presentation. With a Godzilla movie, we see Godzilla close up, just kind of strutting along, you know, stomping on buildings. And we're kind of at Godzilla's eye level. We're never at the monster's level. We're no. either above it from a helicopter or in a really tall building or underneath it, like huge way bigger than us we don't get to be at its level because it is bigger than us yes and it's just crazy why is it crazy how is it crazy? um it's like the monster itself is just literally out of this world i like, mean it's sure. in a whole it's on a whole nother level of freaky and what's so freaky about it to you it's because it's giant, it's deadly, and really, really destructive. Like, sure. It's just like, ha it has all of the strong kaiju things. Like, really destructive kaiju. It has, like, all of those things. And it's, I mean, it doesn't, like, have a laser blast or anything like that. It's just huge. Yeah. It's just and really big and indestructible. Yeah. It's so, so dangerous. And actually, now that I think about it, it destroys less things than Godzilla. In a, in a way, yeah. I mean, it does result in the entire island of Manhattan being sort of, and obviously spoilers, obviously. Um, the entire island of Manhattan is cut off and bombed. So yep. basically it results in all of Manhattan being destroyed. Something Me? else about the monster freaks me out. Can you guess what it is? The mini monsters. The mini monsters. Exactly. What's up with them? They're like fleas that are like coming off of him. But like they just send tingles up your spine when you see them. Yeah, they're real scary. Yeah, they're like, oh gosh. and like They're like fleas crossed with the shriekers in Tremors 2. I think that's what they're called. And spiders. And kind of spider-like as well. Drew could correct me if I'm wrong in that. I mean, I could Google, but Drew, come at me. Um, but I think they're called Shriekers, the tiny monsters in Tremors 2. And they're like that plus fleas, a little plus bit spider-like. Yeah. Um, and but, they're, evil, but they're monster fleas. And evil monsters. Yeah, and they fall off of a kaiju. Yeah, and... They do crazy things. Like what? Marlene, was that her name? Marlena. Yeah, she 
dies in like in a crazy way yeah of, of course like off screen but it's still bloody and we still understand what happened yeah like so like they avoid the r with that because it's kind of like in silhouette but it's a nightmare that yes. that scene is so scary like when i think of cloverfield that's the scene that i most closely associate the movie with because it's like the way that a kaiju would affect us as human beings might not necessarily be that we're in a building that falls over there could be other effects you know and that idea yeah. that it's so foreign to us that like the i don't know the viruses or the bacteria or whatever live in it and on it and inside the things that live on it could be nightmarishly destructive to yeah. human physiology. Yeah, like Marlene gets bitten by one of these flea things. Like, oh gosh, these flea things. I don't... They're just... They are so strong, but also so weak. Because they can be easily taken down, but they are hard to get. Because... They're fast. Yeah, and they can kill you easily. Right. And they don't even have to kill you on the spot. No. Because you die eventually if you get bit by one. Mm -hmm. They either, like, destroy you constantly and you never destroy it because it kills you without you destroying it. Or you destroy it but you get bitten by it and then you die. And how does she die? She gets bitten. She does not stop bleeding. Yeah, she starts bleeding out of her eyes and, like, ears and stuff. And then, ooh, and then, like, they take her into this room, and then, like... It's like a quarantine tent. And then she explodes. Basically, yeah. Yeah, we don't see much of it. It's real vague. Like, I don't know if she just, like, sprayed blood or if she literally exploded. I don't know. It's like, but it's a nightmare, whatever it is. Yeah, because, like, her shadow's there. And then for, like, a small bit, she gets bigger, shadow's not there. Blood comes onto part of it. Like, I think she, like, exploded or something. Yeah. So. It's, it's pretty. It's freaky. It's, it's pretty scary. And then these things will, like, the flea monsters will, like, jump on you. Like, jump on, like, you. Oh, gosh. It's <laughs> nightmarish. They are. And that's, oh, man, the, the movie's really wild. And it, uh, it's short as well. I think yeah. we should mention that. The movie clocks in at just under 74 minutes long. The actual runtime of the whole thing is 84 minutes. But that's because they have, like, 10 to 11 minutes of credits. To pad out the runtime. Yeah, and it seems way longer, though. I mean, it's intense. You get into yeah. it, and it just feels like, like a nightmare. Every single moment, yeah. even if the monster isn't on the screen, it just feels like the monster's on the screen. Its presence is there. Yeah. Like, when the one character has to tell his mom that his brother died, that it was that his brother was killed by the monster. Yeah, And but... she saw on the news... Of course, you and you know this, that she would have seen on the news the event in which her son died. And the concept of that alone, just hearing him do it, and you know, and I'm like getting goosebumps talking about it, because that is one of the scariest things I could think of. And the scariest part about it is that the monster did not kill him. Not really, not intentionally, right? I mean, like, it did, because its tail... You know, but its him. effects 
like did. It's, it's all kind of incidental. The monster, yeah. you're right. The monster doesn't necessarily come after our characters. It doesn't ne- it doesn't care. It doesn't give a darn, you know? No. So the characters themselves actually end up having to put themselves in harm's way. I mean, yeah, their escape from Manhattan is stopped by the monster, right? Yeah. But they also can't get out of the city because they go back into Manhattan. Even though there are other ways out, they go back into Manhattan, right into Midtown to try to save... Beth. Beth. And that's where the monster is. Exactly. And there's there's this whole action set piece... Where they've got to go from one building into another building that's fallen yeah. over into like, that building. Yeah, the part where you like get to see the fleas is while they're in like a the train track tunnel, basically. Yeah, they got to go through subways. They got to go on the streets. They got to avoid the military. They got to avoid the monster. It goes for so long that the intensity skyrockets just in that tunnel. I mean, listeners, if you could have seen Al watching this movie. His jaw was on the floor, eyes wide, almost the entire time. Yeah. yeah. So it's intense. Very intense. And I think we should save any other discussion of the monster and stuff for our segments. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the party opening. Because that's what we haven't talked about. Well, we've talked about the monster. We've talked about what the characters have to do while the monster is around and who gets killed by the monster and stuff like that. But there's a solid what? 10 15 minute setup yeah. before it all gets underway which is all kind of um it starts off in april right it starts off in kind of late april and then we skip ahead to late may right it's like three weeks apart the these two videos that we're seeing yeah the one with robert and beth and then the one at robert's going away party so what what do you make of that that whole sequence the party sequence and why do you think a writer would include that i think um they would include that because like instead of like having to like build up the characters over the whole movie in that party scene we get all the build-up we need for these characters before the monster comes get all the build-up we need in short time because this is it's like more most of the movie is about them trying to like escape this monster thing like yeah. way more than more movies most movies so you need like to get the character build up like fast and like yeah that's where the yes. party scene comes in basically so. exactly there are very few moments of downtime once they do venture back into manhattan once they head towards midtown there are, what, two scenes where they're, like, sitting down talking, and that's it. And they're pretty yeah. short, and they're really good character moments, you know, uh, generally speaking. But that party scene, you're right, is important for setting up the characters. And it's not just so we know who they are. It's so that we care about them. Yeah. And that's where I think the movie does some really impressive things. Um, narratively speaking, from a screenwriter's perspective, they really quickly set up this relationship between Robert and Beth. We see how beautiful it is, and we see three weeks later how wrecked it is. And we keep going back and forth between these two moments because it's all on the same tape. And so we're like yeah. going back and forth between the like the past and the present, you know, or well, 
<laughs> April and May. And we keep going back and forth between them so that we see Robert and Beth happy. And then we see them struggling in their relationship and struggling to survive. And I think the saddest part about this movie is what happens like with Robert and what the party is about. The party's about like him, I think it was like going to Japan or something yeah. to be like, um, oh. His company, he got a promotion. He was going to go work in Japan or whatever. Yeah. Like, um. I don't think it matters. If you don't yeah. remember what he did, I don't I, either. I don't, so I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't say what he did, but like the rank he was at. Oh, like vice president. Yeah. He's going to be vice yeah, president um, of this company. And then he dies. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. And then I he mean, dies. And they as don't. far as we know, he does. You know, and I mean, there could there there's an opening there at the end where I, we could go. Okay, they survived. Highly unlikely, but it's tragic. It's yeah. a love story. It's a tragic love story set against the backdrop of a kaiju attack. Yep. And or reverse it, right? It's a kaiju attack set against the backdrop of a tragic love story, mm-hmm. one way or the other. And that's the saddest part. That like about like what they have to do. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. all of their efforts, like, there's just, like, nothing they could do. Like, no. all their efforts just didn't do anything. I mean, but they did do stuff, right? They like, even though, even though the characters may not succeed in the ways that they wanted to, the characters do accomplish some of the things that they want to accomplish. And at least they end up together, yep. right? As... And that's the big thing. And it's, and... again, like, that's kind of, if you had to... Like, if if I was hired to write a kaiju movie, I don't think I would handle it, like, I mean, apart from the fact that Cloverfield exists, and so I couldn't just do Cloverfield again. If Cloverfield didn't exist, I think I probably would have tackled it in about the same way if I was hired to write a kaiju movie. I would look for that story, a very simple story, to set up the characters and to make us care. And then, boom, drop a monster into it and see what kind of emotions we could draw out of the characters as they struggled to Mm -hmm. overcome their personal problems and survive a kaiju attack. Mm -hmm. And, frankly, at least they succeeded at something. As far as we know, one of them survived? Maybe. Maybe. That's... that's We don't know for sure. As far as we know. There's a helicopter crash at some point that could have been a helicopter that was involved with that character, but we don't know. We don't know. So, we don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Anything else to say before we jump into our segments? Well. Do you want to just jump into segments? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So first up is. Beastly Best. All right. What's your favorite monster moment in the whole movie? I, frankly, I like at the end when like the monster comes up. And, like, gets the helicopter. Oh, after the, like, sort of, um, the military, like, carpet bombs it, right? Like, just drops a ton of bombs, you know? And then it's, like, it doesn't stop it. It doesn't phase it, really. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I also like a lot of the scenes with the helicopters. And, like, Mm -hmm. and then when they go into the helicopter, and then the monster, like, sees them. And then the monster grabs the helicopter. And shoots it out like <laughs> yeah. we like that scene actually made me kind of dizzy yeah they were like spinning around because it's found footage right yeah and the next thing we know crashed yeah mine would be probably when uh robert and gang robert and crew end up on the street 
and the monster comes down the street and then from the other direction the military comes in and they end up in the middle of this fight between the monster and the military and like soldiers are running up with rocket launchers there's a tank it's bananas and the characters are flipping out because they're just like going to help a friend and they're in the middle of this firefight with this gigantic monster that's so wild so do you want to move on to get spooked yeah i think we're both gonna have the same get spooked moment what's yours i think you should do yours first uh, I would say that it's when they're in the tunnels and the rats are running away from something that they don't see and they don't know what's going on and they turn on the night vision and there are those like kaiju Flea fleas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they're just like crawling around the ceiling and they're like, run! Oh man, that reveal of the monsters like crawling along the ceiling. And then <clears throat> I think, and then there's a little light, which we don't really ever know what that is oh it's like a just a light bulb you know just a light bulb in the subway tunnel i don't think it's a big deal yeah yeah but like that yeah do you mean when they come out and they go into the department store and there's the really bright white light no 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 i mean like yeah in the tunnel gotcha yeah yeah no i think that's just a subway light yeah yeah but it is really freaky yeah that's super scary yeah 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 i agree yeah so yours is the same? Yeah. Okay. Did you have any funny bones moments that you wanted to point to? There are some chuckles, but I'll be honest, I don't remember the specific jokes. No? Not coming up with anything? Oh, gosh. Um, no, I don't remember either. Yeah, I mean, we chuckled at some stuff, uh, you know, because HUD is played by TJ Miller, so he gets some comedic lines. Which are, uh, you know, they allow us to kind of have moments of levity, which breaks up the suspense so that we laugh and we're like, oh, ooh, you know, we have a little bit of a breather. But when you have those breathers, it actually then makes the next scary moment that much scarier. Yeah, and that's right? a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. But then time for the big segment. Scream themes. Scream themes. What do you see being one of the major messages of Cloverfield? I think that in the middle of a big crisis, some people might even have scarier things than the military, but they go unnoticed. Oh, the the real tragedies. And I, I, if I could try to translate it here and tell me if I'm wrong, the real tragedies of big military conflicts aren't the tragedies on the large scale but the tragedies of on the human level the individual level yeah like the one oh, yeah. the biggest the biggest tragedies are ones that go unnoticed man that is heartbreaking and super deep yeah i love that man but it's beautiful it's actually really true it is yeah absolutely great work here man yep well do you want to get us wrapped up here jump into telling our listeners where they can support us and find us online yep you can find us on patreon at patreon.com slash word salad you can find us on twitter at cadaver underscore cast you can find us on instagram at Cadavercast, one word. You can find us on Facebook at the Cadavercast Critters and Creeps Club. Join the club. And you can find and buy our merch at teespring.com slash cadavercast. And you can email us at cadavercast at gmail.com. 
Fantastic, dude. Holy cow. Rattled those off so fast. <laughs> well, uh, you know what to do, my man. You've been listening to another episode of Cadavercast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. And we love you. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you in October. Thanks. Who just send tingles up your spine when you see them.